Hey everyone, welcome into localjobnetwork.com radio. I'm Tim Muma, and this is Employment Notebook, a podcast designed to get to the heart of some critical topics in the workplace. It's often easy to see or hear the clear cases of sexual harassment, but truthfully, most often people engage in more subtle acts that are just as inappropriate and can have those negative impact on coworkers. So today we've enlisted an authority on the subject, Jack Marshall. Jack is the president of ProEthics, as well as a writer at Ethics Alarms, where he covers all aspects of the ethics conversation. Jack, thanks for coming on the show. My pleasure, Tim. Thank you. Now, as I mentioned off the top, sexual harassment comes in many shapes and forms, obviously, but I wanted to get an idea of how you define sexual harassment or how it's defined in general to give people at least an idea of where we're going with this. The classic definition of sexual harassment is is that it's unwelcome sexual advances or gestures, words, anything else, and that it, to some extent, makes it difficult for that individual to work comfortably in the workplace. So one of the main types of sexual harassment that can be cumulative is a hostile work environment, Mm -hmm. creates a hostile work environment. But that's one major form of sexual harassment. And the other is targeted sexual harassment in which someone is constantly made a focus of attention that has sexual intent or sexual innuendos. And and the main thing is that it be unwelcome, but uh, to the individual involved, which makes it complicated to some extent, because what the exact same conduct from one individual to another may not be considered sexual harassment if if it's welcome. And that is an interesting point you bring up there right off the bat, that I could talk or or interact with somebody one way and and it's fine. If I do it with another person, it it could be crossing that line. Well, that's right. And in fact, the classic example, various programs, I do uh, skits and other things uh, that that sort of illustrate this. And, you know, if you have two guys in the office trying to convince uh, a woman to go out with them and one is they're both basically doing exactly the same thing, but she finds one of them attractive and the other one she finds unattractive. Mm-hmm. Even if the attractive one's uh, method of asking, um, <laughs> methods of asking her out is in some respects more clumsy or awkward or, uh, or sexist than the, uh, the, than the nice guy that she finds repulsive, <laughs> the nice guy that she finds repulsive, she can report for sexual harassment and the other guy's in the clear because it's not unwelcome. And th- this is one of the aspects of sexual harassment law that's that makes it very unpopular and because it's problematical. It's the kind of thing that law does not cover very well. Sure. Now, with that, uh, some things I had read that I think that's a great example and one that could be very practical for people in the workplace. Another thing I read is that a lot of times it's almost uh, somebody doing this from a distance and they want to keep a space, but they're still trying to enlist some sort of, I don't want to call it power because it sounds so strong, but is that more prevalent? Is it more common of these sort of in incidental situations? What would you say happens most often in the workplace? I don't think there is any most often, but I think that it had, takes many, many uh, kinds of forms. I mean, the first thing I guess that's important to understand is sexual harassment, and I always, I always tell people this, could be addressed with simple ethics and manners, etiquette, and what we used to call common sense. <laughs> There's no real reason for anyone to ever feel sexually harassed in the workplace. But the problem is, is that we evolved from the kind of conduct you see on madmen where women in the workplace were considered to be prey to some extent, and that was okay. You know, I mean, that was, the, that was not, not even recognized as the predatory conduct or, or the uh, undignified, disrespectful conduct that we, that we think of it as today. 
as we began learning, I mean, ethics is, you know, continuous. We constantly learn the, what is the right way to handle it. There were some people who never got the message. And because there were some people that never got the message and people that still, you know, wanted to act as if your secretary was there to sit on your lap and, and you know, accept being slapped on the rear end, they had to put laws in place. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, you know, most Americans, stats say most Americans meet their spouses or significant others at work. So you don't want to shut it down entirely, which is why they had to put this in the framework of what was welcome or unwelcome. Some of the stuff that we see that comes up, you know, um, people have been found to have engaged in sexual harassment by just staring at somebody, uh, by staring at a woman from across a room in a, in a creepy manner, making, making odd comments, leaving little notes, uh, putting, sending emails that are, not, that are not work-related, that have inappropriate jokes attached, things like that. Those are the kinds of things that cumulatively can make someone feel uh, that they are, first of all, make them feel that they are, are, are not comfortable and safe in the workplace. And then uh, secondly, uh, diminishes the individual in the workplace so that they feel that they are not being looked at as an equal worker with everybody else, but uh, somehow is a, is a sex object or an object of unwanted sexual attention. I want to go back to something you mentioned there that so many people you know, may meet their eventual spouse in the workplace or even at least somebody that they they date for a while. That seems like a very complicated potentially situation when you're talking about dating in the workplace and where that line could be drawn as far as if something goes wrong or if there is harassment sort of in the engagement stage, so to speak, and you're trying to see if someone is interested. What would you suggest as a, I don't know, as a policy as far as dating goes, either among peers or you know, oftentimes it's it's never allowed as far as going up or down the ladder, so to speak. What, what do you offer up in terms of maybe the warning there when it comes to dating? I think it's crazy for a company not to have a policy that absolutely forbids vertical dating of any kind. Mm-hmm. You know, anytime you have a supervisor dating anyone within in their staff or in the company that in any respect is considered their subordinate, I think that that you have to have a policy against that. And as far as dating, uh, horizontal dating, people who are more or less do not report to each other, I think if at all possible, you want to try to lay out clear policies about what is is and is not appropriate within, within the workplace. I mean, I, frankly, from a purely professional standpoint, there should be no dating in the workplace. It's a different professional activity is different from personal activity. Everything, anything that smells or feels like that should be just you know, kept out of out of the workday. But human beings don't really think or act like automatons, and that's kind of unavoidable. And so a smart supervisor, I think, keeps a close watch on it, gives guidelines, is understanding that people feel that they can be frank about those things. Part of the problem we have is if you watch on television, you know, how many television shows involve secret dating relationships? Between <laughs> right. Um, you know, and, and they're, they always hide it. You know, they always hide it. And if it's, if it's hidden, often it's because there's a policy and they'll have to, be, you know, have to be split up as a result. Those problems, though, involve usually welcome. We're talking about welcome relationships. Right. What, unfortunately, current law does is it makes persistence illegal. I once asked a group, I was talking about sexual harassment. I said, um, how many of you asked your future spouse to go out with you more than once before they finally said yes? And this little guy in the back of the room raises his hand and says, 17 times. <laughs> well, you know, in the workplace, 
if you do, if you ask somebody 17 times, that's going to be sexual harassment. Sure. It's going to be sexual harassment at three because nobody wants to go to work and say, oh, my God, every day I'm, that little guy is going to come up and he's going to ask me if I want to go out for a date. That becomes a hostile work environment, and that's when you flag it. And, and then the company has very little choice about how they respond once the employee complains about that. That has to trigger a whole series of policies and, and uh, procedures. An investigation, you got to talk to the guy, you got to tell him to cut it out. He's got to be given a strict warning because the liability of a company who doesn't address those things can be massive once it you know, matures into a lawsuit or an agency complaint. No, that definitely is a, an interesting aspect of that. And you make a good point as far as the, the persistence of trying to pursue that potentially. And it may not be in any inappropriate way that we would normally see it. But as you said, it all comes down to how that person is feeling and what they report essentially to, to the company. I want to touch on a couple of other smaller areas potentially. And in, in some ways, they're similar. One thing I had read about was the use of names or nicknames. And I'm not talking about anything that's gross or overtly over the top or wrong. But just nicknames in general, I had a boss once that she claimed she could never remember anyone's name. And so she would just call them by, you know, sweetie or something like that. Where is the line drawn with that and calling someone a name that's kind of cutesy, but, you know, it might make someone feel uncomfortable as we've been talking about? Well, as you know, again, I, I would emphasize this is an area that, that law doesn't handle very well because you have sure. to write it out coldly. The fact is we all know there can be charming, charismatic bosses that can call everybody Mac or Sweetie and nobody cares. And there can be others that out of the exact same words out of their mouth sound salacious. The fact is a female boss that calls everybody Sweetie is in peril of a sexual harassment lawsuit and probably deserves it. I mean, the fact is, sweetie or anything that, that has the overtone of affection right. goes into that forbidden area. There was recently a big foo over at Archie Comics, where one of the, the female executive there had uh, stood accused of using nicknames or otherwise making gender-based comments and descriptions of, of workers there, and they felt that constituted sexual harassment and arguably even sexual discrimination if they felt that they were being categorized and diminished as a result of mm -hmm. that. As I said, it's something that people used to not be, it depends how sensitive individual people are. If you call somebody dear, is that denigrating? Mm. I think that women in the workplace are frequently inadvertently marginalized and minimized in the workplace. And sometimes this rises to the level of what I would call sexual discrimination. I, I've, I had a staff with a large association in Washington, D.C. My staff was all female. They were all young. And we would go to conventions and all of the, the members of the uh, association who were professionals and overwhelmingly male and generally over the age of 40 would, uh, you know, always greet my staff by hugging them or, or kissing them. And I said, do not let them do that. Mm -hmm. You're not their toys. You're not their plaything. They said, oh, they're just trying to be nice. And I said, well, maybe they're trying to be nice. Maybe they're trying to cop a feel, right. but whatever they're trying to do, they're basically saying that you are of a lesser status than I am, who they come up and they shake my hand. Hmm. Don't let them do it. And that's very hard uh, requirement to put on a woman that she has to stand up to someone who may be a board member of the organization and say, don't, don't hug me like that. I don't feel like being kissed. I'm not, you know, how do you, that's very, very difficult. And so that creates an instant hostile work environment situation. Frankly, I blame the members. You know, they should know better, but they don't. They were brought up in an environment where that kind of thing was just nice. You know, you just did that. That's what you did with the women. And, mm -hmm. and I actually had to go to 
some of the female executives in the organization who similarly allowed themselves to be hugged by the members and say, you realize the message you're sending to the younger employees here, that this is all right. And say, oh, well, I've known him for years. He doesn't mean anything by it. It doesn't matter. And this is what we call third party sexual harassment, which is how you observe other people being treated within the organization becomes a threat to you. That's a complicating factor as well. So that goes beyond whether it's welcome. At that point, it doesn't matter that the person being hugged welcomes it. What matters is, is that someone else watching it, A, from if it's a, if it's a man h- hugging a woman, a male says, oh, I now work in an organization where this is acceptable. And the mm-hmm. woman says, oh, great, I can be hugged by anybody who wants to come up and cop a feel. You have then uh, at least the threat of a hostile work environment right there. Well, I'm glad you touched on the subject of hugging, because I do think that's something that comes up here or there. And um, I think for the most part, people do have those solid boundaries when it comes to that. But I think the example you gave will give listeners an idea of of what it could mean beyond just that nicety, as you said, a lot of people might infer from it. Another area that has come up recently, especially with the technology and the phones we all have, is the idea of taking pictures and the utilization of that. Um, you know, the, in the past, the common idea of making someone uncomfortable was you had photos of, you know, women up or, or something like that. What about taking pictures in the workplace and photos of employees? And is that addressed when it comes to the law and sexual harassment? I haven't seen any cases involving that, but the whole law and ethics area is galloping like crazy to try to keep up with, with technology sure. and it changes sure. all the time. I would never permit photographs to be taken in the workplace of that sort. I think you've got to feel safe in the workplace and feel that people aren't snapping you and going to be putting you up on Facebook or things like that. I think you just have to ban it. There's no need for anyone to be taking personal photographs in a workplace and no good can come from it. So I think you just ban it. I can certainly imagine ways in which it would be hostile. You take all you have to do is take a picture of somebody, put, put it up on a Facebook or put it up someplace else where someone may have access to it elsewhere in the organization with a comment that is salacious or, or you know, even uh, insulting, joking. It doesn't make any difference. The right. fact is that can, that can embarrass someone and, make, uh, and create a hostile work, workplace environment. So I think you just you have to ban it. And you still have, we still have problems with, the, you know, the question is, you know, what do you have on wallpaper on your computer? What kind of pictures come up? What, what, are you, what are you surfing? If you're in a common work environment, if somebody is, you know, during their lunch hour looking at soft porn or, or pictures or pinups of, of Hollywood actresses or something else, does that, does that create a hostile work environment for people, uh, people around them? Uh, that's a, it certainly can if it's egregious and, there are still issues where a uh, uh, photographs on someone's desk. Mm-hmm. One of the best ones I ever had to deal with that I was sympathetic with is is somebody was somebody had a wife who was a, a swimsuit model and had a picture of her with him on their in their vacation out you know uh, on their desk and she was a gorgeous woman wearing a very skimpy bathing suit and uh, this was in the common work area and uh, he received complaints. When he was uh, challenged on it by HR, he said, so in other words, you're saying if I had a less attractive wife, you know, <laughs> I, would, I would not be engaged in, in creating a hostile work environment. The answer was yes. You know, <laughs> wow. yeah, that's right. Your wife is too attractive and therefore sexualizes the common workplace uh, in this rare occasion. So, and he felt that was unfair. But again, it's not what he thinks. It's the effects it has on everyone else. Yeah. 
Oh, that's that's an intriguing one. I uh, I'd have to think about that for a long time to know if I'd want to fight that at all or just move on. I mean, as you said, it's not just about the one person; it's got to be about the whole. But I think that's a it's a very interesting example to bring up. We're getting low on time, but I wanted to ask about one other thing, and I actually came across this on your website, and I just wanted to get an idea of what exactly this was. It was a, a bullet point on some issues, and it said harassment traps. What are, what are we looking at there? Well, I think part of it I already touched on. It's when social niceties encourage such things as, as people who get the signal that it's okay to hug or okay to kiss. It's also follow the leader problems, I think. Okay. One of the major things you have to point out in every environment, and it's true of ethics in every organization, whether you're talking about the army or whether you're talking about a federal agency or a law firm or a company, is that the leader sets the tone. And the leader can create the impression that it is okay to be okay to treat uh, women, or, or, and it can flip the other way, of course, a female executive with men, to some extent as objects of desire, sexual uh, care, by, by just their casual comments, which suddenly changes everything. Their comments, their looks, compliment. You know, a classic trap is the difference between saying to somebody, boy, you look nice today, uh, then, then the next level, boy, uh, you've lost some weight. Have you lost some weight? You've been dieting? He said, boy, you've been working out. Those shoulders are looking really good. And then the next thing you know, you've crossed, without even realizing it, have crossed into another line. But you hear someone making those comments innocently. There are people who can say, hey, you look good. Have you lost, have you lost some weight? You're trying, to make, you're trying to be supportive. You have, a, uh, you have an employee who has had a weight problem. She's been working. She's so thrilled that you've told her that. She, it, in fact, it's kind to tell her that. But with another employee in a different situation where that kind of a comment would be taken as having a sexual overtone, that exact same exchange becomes a sexual harassment trap. This is why every organization needs to sit down and talk about these things. And the worst thing is to ruin the organization as a result of it. So everybody's scared to death of what you're going to say. And everybody is, is editing themselves so carefully. And so one of the things that's most important, I think, is for there to be a joint understanding of kindness and consideration and the golden rule, recognizing that people should make mistakes, can make mistakes. And if they make a mistake and it's a good faith mistake, they shouldn't immediately be assumed to have bad intent and, and that people should try to work around a point where sex, actual sexual harassment law and policies are unnecessary because everybody is aware of the need to keep this fair, of the need to get, make everybody comfortable in the workplace and not trying to leap on top of every little um, uh, misstep uh, and to interpret it in the worst light possible. Well, with that, we will look to close out this edition of Employment Notebook, again, talking about some aspects of sexual harassment. Some that might be a little more blatant, but a lot of them more subtle in nature. And that's why we enlisted an expert today. His name is Jack Marshall. He's the president of ProEthics, where ethics training and consulting is their game, and they are definitely experts over there. Jack, thanks for coming on the show and sharing all of your experience and knowledge with us. Anytime, Tim. Thank you very much. And of course, if you'd like to reach out to us with any suggestions or feedback, you can email ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. You can also find us on Twitter at the LJN. For everyone here at LJN Radio, I'm your host, Tim Muma. We'll talk to you later.